Hello, hello, I'm Michelle, and this is the Bookkeeping with a Purpose podcast, the podcast for anyone wanting to learn church finances and how to serve the local church with excellence. I am a church finance consultant, and I am also an enrolled agent who specializes in minister taxes. I have had the honor of helping churches ensure compliance in all areas of their finances, as well as helping ministers with their unique tax status for the last decade. In this podcast, you are going to get the very best advice on how to properly handle all things church finances, payroll, and minister taxes, all with a healthy dose of Jesus. So grab a notebook and pen, my friend, to take some great notes, and let's do this. Welcome back to the Bookkeeping with a Purpose podcast. Uh, Today, we are going to continue looking into fourth quarter things that I want you to do, and today we're going to do four more things that you can add to your list, kind of like an ultimate year-end church finance checklist, okay? So, one of the things you're going to do is you need to notify your members of the giving deadline for them giving their uh, charitable contributions, What this is, is you need to let them know that if they are going to um, make any type of year-end contributions, that the special date that they've got to remember is December 31st. That date is very important because if they're going to mail you a check, it must be postmarked by December 31st. You don't have to receive it by December 31st, but it does need to be postmarked by December 31st, all right? If they're going to make a um, an online contribution, again, it needs to be done by the end of day on December 31st. If they're going to do a credit card donation, again, by the end of the day on December 31st. So what this is telling you is that it doesn't matter when you physically receive the check or payments or when you deposit the payments. What matters is when they what the IRS calls when it was um, constructively in your hands, okay, <laughs> which is either when the the donor puts it in the hands of the post office or they make that online payment, all right? So you need to notify them of that. So everything needs to be done by November, th- uh, December 31st. And so, for example, if Sarah writes you a check on December 30th, but she doesn't she brings it to you physically on January 2nd. It is a January contribution. It is not December contribution. Again, what the date on the check is not what matters. It's when it was constructively handed over to you. All right. So that's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to notify your members of the giving deadline because a lot of churches can get some really nice donations at year end, and we want to make sure you get those and that they give give them on time, all right? Second thing I want you to do is to know the $250 rule. The $250 rule is says that the IRS says that if you receive a single donation um, from an individual in the amount of $250 or more, that is when you are actually required to give them a contribution statement, all right? So a lot of churches obviously wait till the end of the year and just do one big contribution statement. And that's wonderful um, to do that. But I like to also remind you that you may have one-time givers or you may have those that 
you know, a family member comes in out of town, or sometimes if someone passes away, someone will give a donation in memory of someone. If that donation is $100, that is totally up to the church whether or not you choose to give them a letter stating receipt of that contribution. If that donation is $250 or more, the IRS says you have to give them a confirmation of that receiving that donation, okay? So just remember that the $250 rule, $250 or more, the IRS says you have to give them some type of uh, acknowledgement letter by the end of the year, 200 If it's less than that, then that's totally up to you, okay? The next two things that I would like you to do are, they're not necessities, but they're just really good business practices to do, okay? The first one is, I would absolutely love for you to locate your 501c3 approval letter, okay? So the first thing you're probably saying is, uh, we don't have a 501c3 approval letter, okay? The way that you get that is if you are a part of a national or state denomination and that denomination is a 501c3 approval, you fall under what they call their umbrella and you can contact your state denominational um, office and say, can I get a copy of the group exemption letter? And what that is, is that's going to say that, like if you're a member of a Southern Baptist church, it's going to say Southern Baptist Convention, here's their tax ID, and First Baptist Church Main Street, Alabama, uh, falls under that group exemption, okay? Why do I want you to find this? Two reasons. Number one is sometimes you may get a new member to your church or someone who is looking to make a sizable donation and they want to make sure that you are actually a 501c3, okay? Even if, even though the, it actually says in the code that, you know, all churches are automatically considered 501c3s and you technically do not have to do the official filing to get the paperwork. The problem is, is if you don't have that official designation, if the donor makes, say, a $15,000 donation to your church, the donor gets audited by the IRS. They have this $15,000 donation, okay? It falls on the donor to prove that your church is in compliance with all 501c3 regulations. If they cannot do that, then that $15,000 donation can be disallowed on their tax return, okay? So that's why even though many churches and especially many small churches don't ever go through the process to get that official designation because it is costly um, and it does, it is, you know, it's not cheap to get it done because I do those for churches um, and it is now, it is a lengthy process and, in 2020, 2021, the IRS made even more changes to make it even more of a, a humdinger to do. <laughs> um, but anyways, if someone, that's just, um, that's the first reason that I want you to find that letter. Again, either find your, and if you do have the official designation and you just can't find your letter, 
all you got to do is request a copy of it from the IRS and they will send you a copy of it. Okay. You should have a copy of this in like if your church has a lockbox at the bank or a safety deposit box or somewhere where you keep all your important legal documents, a copy of your 501c3 designation, either from the IRS or under the group exemption um, with your denomination should be in there. Okay. The second reason that I want you to find your 501c3 approval level letter is because sometimes you can get discounts like software. You should never, ever pay full price for any software before you check out TechSoup. But the deal is with TechSoup, in order to get their fantastic, amazing software saving prices, you got to provide a copy of your 501c3 approval letter. Okay. All right. So hunt down that 501c3 letter. All right. And then the fourth thing that I would like you to do is just review your church insurance policy. Um, sometimes the best thing is not to always go with the same old, same old and to stay with what you've got. Sometimes you can, if you're looking through your policy, make sure that your coverages are actually what you need. Um, and then check rates. It does not hurt to check rates. You would think that if you've been with, say, Brotherhood Mutual Insurance for 10 years, you're not going to find a better rate. Well, you never know. It could happen. Okay. So just review your insurance policy. Make sure that you have um, the property liability coverage. Uh, make sure you've got, you know, maybe um, just because of the way society has changed the past few years, you've got coverage for things, you know, that you could possibly be sued on. Um, so do that for me. Okay. So that's going. That's the four that I'm going to give you today. Number one, you're going to notify your members of the giving deadline, which is December 31st. Okay. And again, if you need to explain, you know, the when to mail a check, the credit card payment, the online giving, or physically handing in a check when those deadlines are. Know the $250 rule, okay? Um, locate, find your 501c3 approval letter, either again, the one from the actual IRS or through your state denomination. And then just take the time and just look over your church insurance policy. You know, if you've got a, um, a stewardship team or a building team, um, a legal team, whatever type of team you may have, your board, your elders, um, just have them take a look at that insurance policy and make sure that you're properly covered. Okay. All right. So, um, that's going to be um, all for today. And then next week, I'll cover some more things that we need to put on your checklist. And until then, thank you guys so much for listening to me. Um, I hope that we're helpful. And always remember to strive to make an impact and not just an income. And remember to look your best, do your best, and be your best. Talk to you soon. Thanks Bye. again for listening to today's episode. If you learned something new or were inspired in any way, please do me a huge Omongo favor and leave me a fantastic five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people to find the show. And then share this episode with someone who you think it could help. Until next time, my friend, be blessed.